Hello and welcome in to this week's edition of The Walkthrough. I am your host, intern Joe Machika. It is a jam-packed episode today. It is a big weekend in Gamecock athletics. A uh, lot to talk about. Obviously, Gamecock baseball opening weekend clean sweep. And as I close that off, uh, live TV. Love it. Um, so, yeah, big weekend for Gamecock baseball. And then Gamecock women's basketball also surviving. Men's basketball, some question marks from the week. We will talk about that as well. But first, let me get the sponsors to you guys. First off, first sponsor, it is tax season. So we're going to talk about our good friends over at Liberty Tax. Tax ID is an uncertain feeling you get right before doing your taxes, but you don't have to go through it alone. The tax team at Liberty Tax in Irmo, Lexington, and Columbia will walk you through the process, clear up any confusion, and guarantee you'll get the biggest possible refund or your money back. It's tax time. If you're in a hurry for your refund, call on the tax team at Liberty Tax. They're fast, accurate, and guaranteed. On the other hand, if you think you might be on Uncle Sam, talk to the Liberty Tax team to make sure you're not paying more than you should owe. They'll find every possible deduction for you. Locally owned and operated, staffed by tax professionals from your neighborhood. Open nine on a, nine on weekdays and nine to five on Saturdays with multiple service options. Start through the Liberty Tax mobile app or through the desktop portal. Make an appointment or just walk in. Give a call to upload your tax documents. And when you come in, your return will be ready to view and sign. Give them a call on your screen right now. And for those listening, 803-462-5576. Once again, 803-462-5576 for all of your tax needs. And our second sponsor of the day is our good friend, Clint Hammond of the Movement Mortgage Network. He's above us on all of our Gamecock Central Live programming. He's the man. You need help with your mortgage? Give our good friend Clint a call. He's of the Movement Mortgage Network. He's been in the mortgage industry since 2003 which allows them to help everyone from the first-time home buyer to the complicated and complex jumbo buyer. Whether you're looking to purchase a new home or refinance, nothing is more important than a well-thought-out financial strategy that comes with five-star customer service. He's even helped out our very own Wes Mitchell and former Gamecock quarterback Perry Worth with their mortgages. So give Eric Clint a call. He's above us on all of our Gamecock Central Live programming. Like I said, 803-771-6933. Once again, 803-771-6933. So, yeah, like I mentioned, a very big game uh, or very big weekend for South Carolina athletics. Baseball team off to a roaring hot start. And to talk about it all, I'm bringing in our colleague at Gamecock Central, Mr. Jack Veltry. Jack, good, pretty good start for, for Gamecock baseball. Yeah, I, I, th I think it was. It was, a, it was a fun weekend of baseball. was there for all three games. And, uh, Joe, I'm happy you brought me on so we could talk uh, talk some baseball finally, right? We could finally talk about what was a eventful weekend, right? You had opening day, Saturday, Sunday. Uh, obviously, today was the big day uh, with Roman Kimball making his long-awaited return after 609 days uh, after his last college appearance because he had Tommy John. Uh, and then, obviously, the offensive outburst today and then the no-hitter. But, um, yeah, let's talk about it. Yeah, absolutely. No, there was quite a bit to talk about from today, but we're going to start on opening day. Five to one finish. Eli Jones, six innings pitch, three hits, one earned run, and one hit batsman. Pretty darn good from your opening day starter, wouldn't you say, Jack? Totally, totally. I think that was – I think you always knew, at least I knew, uh, in my head that, that that was going to be the guy for opening day. It just It just felt like the clear-cut option, um, and he certainly proved to be – the man for this team, the Friday night guy that this rotation desperately needed. Uh, like you said, I think he just, I think er, in the early going, the first inning it was, he kind of, I think, struggled a little bit. But then again, that, I think that was just came down to jitters and stuff and the pressure of pitching on opening day. Uh, but once you get through that first inning uh, where he allowed that one run, 
he really settled in nicely. And I think that was kind of a common trend with most of these guys that started this weekend. I think once uh, once Jones got to that first inning, it was like he was on. And, I mean, his stuff was really freaking good. And I think it set the tone for the offense to uh, do a little bit. Uh, not, not anything crazy on Friday, but it was enough to get the win. Yeah, no, absolutely. And you have to give credit to where credit is due. Um, you know, the bats, uh, you know, didn't do a whole lot in terms of, you know, the long ball or a lot of scoring. But again, it was, you know, the pitching and defense, um, you know, that we would expect, right, to, to lead an opening day. You know, Kingston, obviously the whole story throughout the fall is, you know, that the, the pitchers were catching up to the hitters, right? Um, so, um, yeah, it was big for the, this pitching staff to go out hot. Eli Jones, again, the right man for the job to lead him out there. Um, and then I also did want to talk about on the pitching staff, Chris Veach and then Garrett Ganey. Veach came in in a really, really tough spot and was able to get the job done, right? Um, you know, the junkyard dog came in a little early, but but j- did his job, right? You know, shut put out put out the fire when he needed. Yeah, totally. And I think I think it's an interesting point that you brought up the whole, um, you know, bringing him in closer type thing. Um, the thing with, you know, South Carolina is, um, you know, while Chris Feech might be the quote unquote closer, um, that doesn't take away from the, his ability to pitch multiple innings. He's not just a one trick pony. He's not a one inning guy. I mean, he can go 40 pitches if you really need him to. I mean, I think I saw him a few times last year where he'd throw like 50 pitches and be fine. So uh, that's a real benefit. And Mark Kingston kind of made it clear, like, when it comes down to it, when push comes to shove, they're throwing the best guys. And it's kind of just all hands on deck at that point. And with Veach, uh, obviously on opening day, I mean, he got thrown right into the fire, right? Because Eddie Copper, the freshman, uh, who I think has had been very impressive in scrimmages. Oh, yeah. Can't remember the exact situation, but he got into some trouble in the uh, after Jones came out of the game, and immediately, I mean, Matt Williams came right out of the dugout and went to make a pitching change and brought in Veach early. So, um, with that said, Veach came in and did his job. I think I think it was a bases loaded jam he got out of. It was, yeah, in his first inning uh, with no outs, and then in his next inning, just did Chris Veach type things. Right, this is. Uh, I made the joke that this is uh, this is like a Houdini act, uh, so maybe that should be his new nickname instead of the Junkyard Dog, but uh, who knows, right? And then um, with uh, the second guy, Ganey, uh, man, I mean, I don't know who brings more energy, quite honestly. Uh, Veach, obviously, as we know, um, lots of emotion, rah rah, that kind of that kind of thing. And then uh, with Ganey, you know, I didn't know much about him because obviously he's a Liberty oh, yeah. transfer and stuff, new to the scene and all that, and then. I know, like, someone showed me a video after the game of, uh, you know, Ganey closed out the game. He got a strikeout or whatever to finish it or whatever the case might have been after the last out. And he's, like, you know, going off. Like, I don't even, like, I don't even know how to describe it. He was, like, just freaking out, like, pointing at, like, the the Miami-Ohio dugout and stuff. It was it was nuts. I mean, it's, it's crazy that you have another guy like that who can bring that type of energy. But at the same time, with what he does in the baseball field, he's a left-handed arm. Um I think that's another good back of that bullpen type arm that you really want. And it's a left-handed option. So if you're in a matchup where you have, you know, two lefties and a righty hitter coming up, you know, you can make the call of the bullpen and throw Ganey in there. And it works out perfectly because, you know, lefty on lefty, that's an ideal matchup. So, yeah, I mean, those two, the whole bullpen, I think this weekend was, for the most part, really impressive. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, again, I brought up Ganey because he was really impressive. Got the save, too. Was hitting 96 with his fastball. That's another guy to look out for. 
uh, to be a potential fireman out of out of the bullpen. You know, if paired with Veach, if Veach can't throw, I think Garrett Ganey is certainly etching his name up for the closer number two or, you know, fireman number two in line um, from Veach. So I think that was big. Uh, I've liked how this team drew a lot of walks. Obviously, today, the 14 to nothing game, there were quite a bit of walks. But again, on opening day, you saw the plate discipline early. Cole Messina drew two himself. Uh, Jack, walk me through a little bit what you're seeing with the plate discipline with these guys. Yeah, um, and we can, you know, it's a it, this is a whole weekend kind of answer. Because yeah. I, know, I know we're talking about Friday. Um, yeah. But I, they only hit two homers this weekend, which is obviously one of the main questions coming into this year. I think we had a question last week was, are they going to be more, you know, homer happy? Are they going to be focusing on small ball? What's kind of the deal? I think we said that it was kind of going to be a mixture because you can't you can't deny that there's home run hitters in this lineup. You have a few guys that can definitely hit some bombs on this team. Um, but this weekend, I mean, the only guy to go deep is Ethan Petrie, and we'll talk about him obviously. Um, but what you're seeing from this team is you're taking a lot of pitches. You're not you're you're kind of. Uh, Think of it like basketball, how, how the, the men's team looks for the right shot, right? They they take they make a ton of passes um, and they, you know, dr- drain the shot clock and then they find their shot. It's kind of like that with this baseball team, right? Because they, you know, the, the, they usually don't swing first pitch. They take their pitches, draw walks, move runners over. It's, it's a whole thing. And, you know, the more pitches you see, the more you're going to know, okay, like the more you're going to be ready for what's to come. Um, with whoever's on the mound. So I think it really serves them well. And, I mean, Friday, I mean, they drew seven walks, which is really nice to see. And like you said, Joe, Cole had uh, – Cole Messina had two. Um, so, I mean, walks. I mean, it's just – it's been a big thing. And, I mean, today it led to a ton of runs. So you have to be happy with what you're seeing uh, in regards to the plate discipline. Yeah, no, absolutely. And as we go – you brought up the two home runs. We we transition into Friday. Pretty big day for the offense, No. Yeah, Saturday was a awesome day uh, for South Carolina's offense because you know fr- Friday five run inning in the second and then that was it. Right, you had two bases loaded situations where you should have gotten some runs, but you didn't. And I think Mark Kingston kind of put it best after the game on Friday uh, with those situations. He knows, you know, he said, "Okay, I mean, we didn't get hits, we didn't get runs in those situations, but yeah. guess what? As the season goes on, we're gonna get runs." So. I, t- I totally think he's right on that. Um, you know, it's just it's, it was game one. It happens with game two. You had a few innings where you had some runs, right? Miami, Ohio goes up one nothing again. And then immediately after, what does South Carolina do? They put up a four spot in the next inning. And it's because of these timely hits. It's not the three run homer or whatever the case might be. It's just getting these hits and moving runners over and doing the little things right. Um, and then obviously, um, you know, Ethan Petrie doing what he does um, mm-hmm. in the third inning on Saturday. You know, I mean, we were talking about, is he going to hit a sophomore slump after a hitless day on Friday? And then what does he do? He It's like he's swinging a oar, or I don't even know how to describe it. It's just, yeah. it, it's effortless. It's effortless. The ball he hit his first at bat, it carried like crazy. You would think it was just a line drive, but it ends up hitting the trees um, in the outfield next to the home bullpen. And it, Goes 420 feet, 114 miles per hour off the bat. That's that's who Ethan Petrie is. And then in the fifth inning, he hits a not not as deep home run, but it's a line drive that just carries out in a second. It's it's what he does. I mean, he is the heart and soul of this offense. And I think South Carolina goes as far as he goes.
But the good thing is they have so many pieces around him that can play to his strengths, right? Obviously, Petri's the power guy, but you also have Cole Messina. Um, Gavin Cassis is the eight-hole hitter on this team. Just crazy. Just, just think about that for a second. Even despite him not having a great weekend, Gavin Cassis is your eight-hole hitter. He's hitting behind Dylan Brewer and ahead of Will Tippett. That just shows you how deep this team really is offensively. And it's crazy to think about. I think this is probably – I kept saying it over the weekend. This is probably their best one through nine lineup. I think they ran out the same all three games. And, look, it, the, I think over time we're going to see more runs and stuff and uh, more consistency um, instead of these big, you know, five, six run innings and that's it. I think you're going to see just – I don't know. It's just – it's crazy to think about that. Gavin's your eight-hole hitter, um, and it's like this 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 team is really really balanced. I feel like you have a true leadoff hitter. You have a really imposing middle of the order, um, and then you're seven, eight, nine with Dylan Brewer, who, in my opinion, might have had the best outside of Ethan Petri. I think might have had the best offensive weekend that we're not talking about enough. And then Will Tippett obviously is your nine-hole hitter. So, I mean, that's a long-winded answer, um, and I'm not even sure if I yeah. truly the question but it's just there's so much to talk about with this offense and it's uh yeah 11, 11 runs on saturday that was uh that was that was more in line with what you would expect yeah exactly no it was alive and well indeed um you know they really really made a push to just put the ball in play right i think you know friday they came out a little flat and then saturday the bats were awoken um at south carolina so that was big Transitioning into today's game, Jack, the, the sweeper. That's why I got the broom out. Um, 14 to nothing. You run rule Miami of Ohio. It's good to get a run rule in in the opening weekend. Um, yeah, talk me through what happened today. I mean, they were on the base pass quite a bit. 16 walks today. They had, I want to say it was, I think they had six walks in the first inning, which is insane. Um, just Again, their plate discipline, it's really, really, really good. They they don't – I mean, yeah, okay. There were some at-bats today this entire weekend where um, even guys like Ethan Petri swinging at, you know, garbage pitches on, uh, you know, one, two, two, two counts. That's that's going to happen. You know, guys have some, – some guys have nasty stuff. But overall, I mean, like you said, Joe, the, the amount of walks they had today was just – it was really big. I think it led to a ton of their runs because they had a lot of bases-loaded situations. And then you draw a walk, and it's like, okay, another run scores. And, I mean, kudos to South Carolina. Look, I know it's Miami, Ohio. I know it's not uh, your LSUs, your Floridas of the world, whatever the case might be. But to get a weekend like this where you get to really show, okay, what Joey Holcomb and Monty Lee have been able to do together, I think we're seeing it. You know, I think this is what this team is going to be. Obviously, they're going to hit their home runs. There's, there's no doubt. Once, once May and April hit, the ball is going to be flying out of here. Um, but the fact that they can, you know, they can Blake Jackson and Parker Nolan can get on base and move into scoring position pretty easily, and then you have your your meat of the order doing big things. I think it just, uh, it just shows that there's, uh, there's not a weak, uh, there's not an easy out in this lineup. Yeah, no, absolutely. And you know, for the starters again, Jack, we talked about this a little bit. 
on foul balls, but like, you know, the non-con is for experimenting in, in the lineup and for the starters to draw as many walks as they did, you know, that's, that's one of the things that that's how you stay in the lineup. If they're not giving you pitches to hit right And this lineup, it's really hard. A lot of these guys in this lineup, I mean, Petri is rarely going to get thrown to, I mean, Gavin Casas as well. Like, so they're not going to see a whole lot of pitches that they like. Right. So if these guys are in the lineup, the way they are, and they want to stay in the lineup, they're going to have to take walks. And I think we saw up and down the roster, complete and utter execution to it. Um, nobody was really swinging for the fences. They waited for their pitch. Again, I think that's something Monty Lee has stressed out over the last couple of years is just the ability, you know, wait for your pitch. They're going to have to pitch to you eventually, or else, you know, you'll take the free pass and then it adds up like it does today. Uh, so very, very good to get a run rule. Blake Jackson, um, you know, impressed today. He's done a great job at the, the top of the lineup. You know, again, somebody we talked about on foul balls as somebody who, you know, his name didn't really stand out in the transfer class. You, you weren't really saying, oh, this kid's going to go in and make an immediate impact. But Blake Jackson got here in the fall, had a really good fall, and then also put it together in the spring as well, which is why he's leading off. Um, and, and everyone inside the building is really, really has been really impressed with him so far. Totally. He had three walks today. He didn't even have a hit, which is the craziest part. I think that is what you want out of a leadoff hitter, right? Someone that's the first guy up, he's seeing six, seven pitches. And then, you know, the guys behind him can kind of get a feel of, okay, what's this guy going to throw here? What's that? What's this? You know, all that. And then the thing with Jackson is, I mean, he, I'm positive. I'm sure he's, I can't remember the exact numbers, but. I mean, he stole some bags this weekend, right? I mean, he was moving over and stuff, doing his typical type of thing that a leadoff that you want out of a leadoff hitter. Um, but yeah, I mean, just him, uh, Parker Nolan at two walks today. It's just getting the, the the transfers that they have in the starting lineup. Those two specifically, I think, are making such such a difference, and I think that's something that last year's team was kind of missing, right? I think no disrespect to Braylon Wimmer or Will McGillis. But I think of those guys as more of, uh, you know, double extra base hit kind of guys, not your prototypical leadoff hitters that are going to do the small ball, bunt, that sort of thing. Um, you know, those are more power heavy guys. With this team, now you have those two that can kind of balance out the the power and threat that they can do with the long ball. And I think it really meshes well. Yeah, no, I agree. And then Todd or Craig brings up Lee Croy played solid at third base as well. Yeah, absolutely. Lee Croy was nails and there were a lot of good defensive plays um, across the board. Um, you know, no real complaints defensively all weekend. So um, like Jack, I mean, like we were talking about on foul balls, it's something you needed to do is, you know, no, no real errors defensively. Um, so yeah, no real complaints. Yeah. Um, Friday was a little, a little sloppy. Yeah. Little sloppy. I don't, plays. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's hold the gun on Leroy or Leroy because I think I think he had an error on Friday, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah, but better today though. Better today. Better today. They yeah. didn't have a single error today. Yeah, and that should that should always be the goal, right? You had two on Friday, one on Saturday, and zero on Sunday. That that should always be the goal. Yeah. Play play a clean baseball, and obviously that's that's why they got the no hitter today, right? Because they, you know. Kept, uh, you know, played a very solid game defensively for seven innings. But, um, yeah, I mean, look, this defense, I think it's uh, – I mean, again, it's just like the offense. I think this is one of your better groups out there. I think I like Cassis at first. Uh, Lee Croy is probably my biggest concern in the infield, but I think he's going to work out well. I think you saw Will Tippett and 
Parker Nolan makes some good plays in the middle of the infield there. Mm-hmm. Um, really, really showing their range and uh, motion and stuff. And then Ethan Petrie, I think, is uh, – he belongs in, in right field. I mean, I when I think of Ethan Petrie, it's like Aaron Judge, you know, um, manning down right field um, in the Bronx. It, it kind of reminds me of that. Um, and then, obviously, Dylan Brewer's defense has been pretty good and, uh, you know, same thing with Blake Jackson. So – Overall, I mean, no errors today. That was uh, that was probably a big takeaway that we're we're not talking about enough. No, yeah, I agree. Um, and again, Leroy got progressively better through the rest of the weekend. Um, again, uh, Jack, I think everyone was just sloppy on on Friday. A lot of teams around the country um, as well. But um, I did want to talk about the pitching staff. Just overall, as a staff, was really, really, really good this weekend. Um, obviously, got the combined no hitter today which was huge. Um, but, I mean, from start to finish, just utter execution from these guys. Totally. Where do you even begin, honestly, right? Yeah. Uh, Friday, Eli Jones, as we said before, you know, balls to the wall, really good. You know, no complaints there. Saturday, Dylan Eskew, my biggest thing with him, and this is kind of for the entire rotation, walks, right? Um, you know, he had a few, you know, he had a few walks, I think, in the uh, – the early going of that uh, that Saturday game, I think he had 48 pitches through two innings. Uh, but then you really see him step it up in the third, fourth, and fifth, where he doesn't allow another. Um, you know, he just nine up, nine down the rest of the way, and he's able to get the win. So that's uh, that was super impressive, and he limited the walks. And then today, um, with your combined no hitter, right? Roman Kimball finally back, pitched two good innings. I think the one thing with Kimball today was the walks, but at the same time, that's you got to understand he's come back from Tommy John control is kind of something that you can get back over time. I think it'll happen. I mean, he had three walks today, but he also had five strikeouts. So it's good to see that he's just back. And at the same time, looked pretty filthy, all things considered. And then Ty good. I mean, this was a guy that, you know, who knew what was going to happen with him. He was probably going to, I thought he was gonna be a starter at some point, Uh, maybe a midweek guy who knows, uh, but he came out of the bullpen today, two shutout innings, no hits. I think he had two strikeouts. And Mark Kingston was saying after the game that, you know, that that's the top, that, that's the type of tie good he had been hearing about. And I think that's uh, that's the the, the 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 pitcher, the CAA pitcher of the year that we all heard about. But now we're kind of seeing it brought to life. Um, so I think he's thriving right now. And then you're getting a lot of young guys in there. And look, some of them are going to get their feet wet and struggle a little bit. Um, but at the same time, others are going to thrive. And this is, like we said last week on foul balls, this is where you're going to find out who your guys are, who you can kind of depend on. And the more pitchers that you have that can go out there and get out, the better off you're going to be. Because it's like, hey, if one guy's not doing it, let's bring in another. Yeah, absolutely. No, and I was also impressed, um, you know, with the whole staff really um, throughout the weekend. Uh, you know, Dylan Eskew was one of them that, you know, I had my fair share, like I'm sure the rest of Game Cognition did because, you know, he, he was kind of thrown in there for Matthew Becker because Becker would have been the, the two slot. But Eskew, you know, stood on his head really. He, he, he pitched a really good game. Five innings, one hit, one run. Um, that one not earned, four walks and six strikeouts, um, you know, certainly proving his worth. And then also, you know, he could possibly, you know, be the guy that etches, that sneaks into the starting rotation. I don't think the starting rotation is far from over. Obviously, Becker, you know, will, will have his time to, you know, 
state his name and state his claim to the oh, starting right. rotation. But Roman Kimball pitched also really darn good today. He he went two innings, but that was planned, as we know. Um, yes. And Jack, I know you wrote a big feature about him, but yeah, talk to me about you know Eskew Becker, and and then we'll finish off with Kimball. So I disagree with you on what you say about Eskew being kind of just thrown in there. I think he was going to get into the rotation. Oh, he earned it for sure. I didn't yeah. necessarily mean it. No, like I, that. I, 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 I know, I know, I know what you meant. I know what you meant. Yes. So, so yeah, don't, don't think that's a slight or anything. Yeah. But anyway, um, look, Eskew, he earned his rotation spot. He pitched well in the fall mm-hmm. and in scrimmages and stuff. So total, totally deserved. And I think. The biggest question with him is that he never made a start at South Carolina before, right? Because he was a yeah, I, he was sparingly used last year, to say the least. Um, he was on the back burner, kind of. But um, you know, after those first two innings, he was he was really he was nails. Because I mean, he had forty eight pitches through two innings, finished the day with eighty. So that is that is really really good stuff right there. Um, and then Kimball, I mean, look, we I just touched on it before, but. Two innings. Look, that was that was the plan going into the day. About forty, I think he had like forty pitches, maybe if I'm not mm-hmm. mistaken. Um, sure. Would he like back some walks? Was the was was the zone a little bit tight? Maybe. Yeah, but when you see a five strikeout day, and I mean you, the first two batters of the game, he he froze um, those Miami Ohio hitters with some really nice off speed stuff um, in the zone. And so when he's back, like. It's crazy to think about what he's going to be like when he's able to go out there, whatever day he's starting, throw a hundred pitches, and that—I mean, if that's what he's going to be like, <laughs> so that's that's a really that's a really good Sunday starter. So yeah, no, yeah. exactly, and no, we talked no. about it um, like during foul balls, right? You need a guy that that is emotional to go out there and get you a oh, series win totally. if you need it on Sunday. And Roman Kimball was all that and more. I mean. You know, he, he got it done. You, he probably, like, if it were up to him, he probably would have gone at least the, the whole game, uh, seeing that it was a, a run roll. But he, and he you know, I, obviously he had the lat, you know, to work on. So, you know, he had yeah. to cut it short a little bit. But, yeah, no, that's that's yeah. all you want more. And, you know, congratulations to him, too. It's been yeah, quite man. a long time since he's pitched in, in a collegiate game. And to come out and do that. Yeah. A school like South Carolina, um, you know, he's certainly earned his right to to remain where he's at in the weekend rotation. Totally, totally. And just want to say up front, man, I had the best time writing this. Uh, if y'all haven't checked out this uh, this long form story I did on Roman and the whole two year kind of journey coming back, uh, you know, would love for y'all to read it. If you haven't yet, it's a great story, and uh, I appreciate anyone that's um, you know texting me saying it's a great story or uh, reached out to me, whatever the case might be. Um, but yeah, man, I mean, this guy's been on a, a roller coaster and, um, you know, it's crazy because the last time he pitched in a co- college baseball game was in Omaha in the college world series. And, uh, obviously circumstances were different, uh, cause you know, after that season at Notre Dame, you know, his coach leaves and uh, his mm-hmm. pitching coach goes to the Navy and stuff. So he's in a bind and, you know, obviously he comes to Carolina and, you know, I think he would have loved to pitch last year, but. Um, that wasn't the case. And now he's, um, I mean, he's earning his spot. I think over time, I think Kingston said today that his pitch count will go up in 15 to 20 pitch increments uh, moving forward. So let's see if he threw 40 pitches today, 
you're looking at maybe 55, 65 pitches, uh, you know, next Sunday, if he pitches next Sunday or whatever the case might be. Um, but from those two innings, man, I mean, you saw the chatter. I mean, Joe, I know you saw the chatter on Twitter. Uh, yeah. That's that's from two innings, man. I mean, so yeah. many people were talking about him and what he can do. And I, he wasn't even – I wasn't even 100% of what Roman No, no, not I mean, at all. This, this is a guy that can be a Friday night starter if uh, if things kind of pan out that way. Um, and then last guy I talk about, Matthew Becker. Um, I got a little update on him today. Um, you know, Kingston kind of hinted at maybe he's going to pitch this weekend, maybe not. I had heard otherwise that – you know, it was rest and recovery, and he's not going to pitch or whatever. And obviously, he didn't this weekend, which is probably the smart idea. Uh, but he threw a bullpen today, and apparently, Becker was feeling really good um, in that bullpen and stuff. Um, so we'll see what happens. Um, the person I talked to was kind of saying that maybe he gets tossed into a midweek game potentially, um, just because that's kind of the the way the comparison was made was like. Okay, obviously he's thrown his first bullpen. At the next step would be like a sim game, whatever the case might be. Throwing him into a midweek game against, um, you know, like Winthrop or Queens this week would kind of be the same thing, if that kind of makes sense. Yeah, um, similar. And then, yeah, similar. And then from there, um, you know, maybe like an inning or two in that. And then after that, maybe he's good to go for, um, you know, a weekend start. Obviously, maybe not next weekend, but maybe the weekend after. But this is just all hypothetical and just from what, what we're hearing. But I mean, it's a, it's a good, it's a good problem to have when you have guys. Uh, I mean, this is the big question going into this year. What's this rotation going to be? What's the pitching staff going to be? They were really good this weekend. And I think uh, if it kind of keeps on this track, who knows, man, the sky's the limit. Yeah. You just need them to stay healthy again. Knock on wood um there for you but yes you know and you, you know Garrett Ganey out of the bullpen everywhere I mean Javora Martin for for as young as he is I mean and as rocky as he he was you still saw some light there um so there were a lot of guys that came out of the bullpen did well um and and so you know you should have a lot of faith in your pitching staff after this weekend totally totally you got let's see four guys came in relief on Saturday uh today obviously with the no hitter you had Four guys come in relief, so that's eight right there. And then um, with Friday, I can find it. You had 12, 12, 12 guys get into you know relief situations this weekend. That is really good case scenario for South Carolina um, that you're able to get in so many pitchers and see how they do. Um, obviously, there were guys who struggled, like I said. And you were able to pull the plug on them immediately. Um, and then plug in new guys like Javar Martin struggled. Um, Eddie Copper struggled. It happens, right? They'll get more chances. There's no doubt. I think this week with midweeks, we're going to kind of see Kingston kind of hinted at that he hasn't named a, a weekend or a, a midweek starter yet. I would be under the assumption we're kind of seeing something like today where you're having a guy go two innings and then throw it off to the next guy. Um, because that's kind of ultimately what you should be doing, right? You don't need – I mean, unless you have a bona fide fourth starter that just didn't make the cut for the weekend rotation, then pitch him. But obviously, um, you know, get as many guys as you can in there. Um, but, yeah, so I think uh, overall you got to be happy with what you saw out of your relievers this weekend. Again, today was just was just like the icing on the cake of, okay, this is what they can do when everyone is kind of on their game. Yeah, no, yeah, most def. Uh, really, really good 
up and down look at the baseball series. Jack, um, any final thoughts on this? Mm, let's see. We talked. We talked hitting um, again. This lineup, I think, is one of your best looks. Dylan Berg on three for eight this weekend. Five ribbies. That's really solid. And like I said, man, like the fact, like it, it blows my mind that like Gavin Cassis, who probably in some, on some teams could be your three to four hole hitter, the fact that he's hitting eighth, that's uh, that's insane. It's like having an all star team, and it's like, oh yeah, Gavin Cassis. For all-star first baseman, is just hitting eighth. That's uh, it's just it's just weird to think about. And then you got you got some guys in there off the bench today that I think played particularly well. Um, what you call it? Uh, Kennedy Jones finally got in there this weekend. I think played pretty well. Um, Ryan Bakes was out there. Guys like that, and just like the pitching, right? I think you have the depth offensively to plug and play. And if someone's not doing particularly well, then it's okay. Or if someone gets hurt. Next man up, and I think you'll uh, you'll feel pretty confident. So we got a long way to go. Fifty three more games to go, if I'm not mistaken, in the regular season, and it's uh it's gonna be a fun, it's gonna be a fun year, man. Yeah, should be a pretty fun year, Jack. There is a little bit of Gamecock hoops to talk about before we get out of here. Um, so obviously not the best week of Gamecock hoops. Uh, you know, the men's team losing both their contests, the women's team struggling at Tennessee, but finding a way back and then also struggling again at home today, but also getting the job done. Do you want to talk about the women's team? I guess, cause they're, they're winning. It, yeah. 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 We get, we get, we'll, we'll talk, we'll talk about both teams. I, th- I think, um, I think it's important to air it out with this men's week. Cause, um, you know, I'm sure a lot of fans are feeling frustrated about kind of what they saw, and um, I think maybe they need a voice of reason. Who knows? But yeah, uh, women, women's. Um, you know, uh, I think from what I briefly saw today, with um, you know, obviously they were trailing at halftime today, right? Um, look, mm-hmm. it's not going to be. Look, I know this is the number one team in the country, undefeated, um, really good group, all this and that. Um, but the way they've been able to respond, right? I think today was a good example of that. Okay, you have college game day coming to town. Uh, all the ABC, all all the all the national attention on you uh, against a team that's bottom of the SEC, and you're trailing at halftime, not playing your best basketball, and then you're gonna, you're able to go out there in the second half and you're able to win by double digits. I think that really speaks to um, the, the the level of um, you know play that, that, that this team has. Um, and then I think the big thing that I've kind of noticed just from kind of watching a little bit is getting uh, Cardoso back, I think, because uh, she was with what, Team Brazil? Is that right? Brazil, yep, yep. Yeah, so I think she was a noticeable loss because that's one of your starters. And obviously going to play with a national team is something that I feel like is pretty hard to turn down. Um, I, I also get it, like, okay, like I, I understand both sides of the coin, right, because – you know, you, you should maybe you should stay with your, your your team that you're playing with to compete for a national championship. But at the same time, how often are you going to are you going to get to go play with um, your country? So I think that's uh, I mean, it was good. It was a good opportunity for her that I don't think she could have passed down. But now that she's back, I think this team uh, sorely missed her a little bit and they were able to make it work without her. But it wasn't always pretty. And now that you got her back, it's uh, it's another weapon uh, added to your roster. I mean, she had 16 points today on, uh, you know, five to 10 shooting. And, um, yeah, I mean, the, the one thing I will say about today that I'm noticing, look at the stat line. Oh, and Cardoso also had 
16 rebounds. Uh, let's not forget that. <coughs> um, but uh, 64% from the line, not great. I think you could be a little better there. Um, Three-point shooting, 9-27 today, not great. But, again, the difference in this game, in my opinion, was that third quarter where you go on a 22-9 run and you're able to completely just change the dynamic of the game, right, and not give any breathing room for Georgia to come back and uh, make it a game again. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, getting Cardoso back was big. Don Staley and the Gamecocks winning a SEC record 43 straight conference games. That's pretty darn ridiculous. Um, and again, to be able to battle back, Jack, these are essentially losses, right, for, for this team. This team has always been to the point where they're so good that, you know, they, they're going to need – uh, 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 an almost loss to to reset things, right? Because I don't know if they're good enough to, to lose, right? If if that makes sense, it's crazy that we're we're talking about it like this. And I, when I was on 107.5 the game with Tyler, we were talking about it the same way. Like it, it's crazy to think that they might be too good to lose. So how do you take a loss in, in, in games like that? So this is a loss to them, right? I mean, they take the dub, they celebrate what you need, but there 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 is a lot that this team can work on, um, especially, I mean, Tennessee, you learned a little bit on the road. Um, but, yeah, having Cardoso back has been so big for this team. Um, and, obviously, there's going to be some readjustment, um, just playing the fluidity of stuff when you when you have to switch games like that. Um, it's it's very big. RL says, Don Staley is now one win away from 600 in her coaching her career. That is craziness. RL, I appreciate you bringing up that stat. Pretty good one for this Sunday night. But, yeah, Jack – Don, she doesn't lose. It's it's ridiculous. I I, I didn't get to listen to college game today because obviously I was you know covering uh -huh. a baseball game. But uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Joe. But didn't she mention that um, she thought about retiring or something after this past uh, this past season? I mean, I kind of get it because it's like you got you're losing all the the freshies, obviously, and um, you're basically overhauling a roster. Um, and there's a lot of unprovens that, you know, we didn't know about at the beginning of the year. And look at them now. I mean, it's just – it's crazy to think about that. That was an interesting thing that I saw today that kind of really caught my attention. Like, you know, what if, what if Dawn Staley decided to retire? Like, what next? Uh, you know, hopefully that's a reality that South Carolina doesn't have to face for at least a few more years, right? I think Dawn is, uh, you know, one win away from 600. I think she's uh, – you know, still got some 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 years ahead of her um, coaching. I think she's accomplished all and more she's had to at South Carolina. But obviously, the goal is to keep winning. And I mean, hey, I mean, it's just it's it's uh, that's that's kind of been the mo for her since uh, you know the first title. And uh, I think she's done a really good job this season with turning this uh, this group into an undefeated squad. Yeah, no, absolutely. Connor, yeah, we are we are going to address the men's Moment basketball there, team in yeah. one second. Yeah, we're almost done with Don Staley, we promise. Um, but, yeah, RL says she said that she was coming into the season with five new starters and hoped they could gel. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, you know, she Don Staley is proving why she's the GOAT at this point, right, taking what she has. And now Malaysia Fulwiley is, is, is not a scrub either. Don't mm -hmm. get me wrong. Or uh, Raven Johnson, Tahina Pau Pau are not scrubs. But again, to get a, a new group to gel like that, like Kim Mulkey is one of the greatest women's basketball coaches of all time. And she is having an awfully hard, or she had an awfully hard time in the down in the bayou 
to try to get her team to mesh and play together. And especially in the era of NIL, um, it, it's really hard. And Dawn seems to do it effortlessly, which is ridiculous. It's, it's, it's so crazy how she does it every single year. And there's got to be some kind of secret in the sauce. Yeah, there, def- there definitely has to be. And, uh, you know, also with this could be a nice transition for, ba- for men's basketball. Um, Dawn obviously continues to show out and be at these men's games, right? It's, uh, I've seen people bringing it up. Like, was it kind of like this when Frank was uh, there? I don't remember it being like this at all, really. Like, you know, I think the support, the, the, look, obviously, as we said a few times now, um, maybe this is the, the hot, the, the 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 mecca for college basketball right now right maybe not after this week but uh, for a time it definitely felt like it and um the the support the women's team they're there every game it seems like uh when lamont and his guys are playing and they're uh they're into it and i think it's uh it's a it's a good thing to have when both teams are playing at a high level and they're able to go out there and support one another yeah absolutely no i agree it was kind of the last Good, good breeze over of women's basketball. Um, you know, they have a couple hard games coming up, but again, I think these two games, um, you know, have, have certainly righted the ship you would hope um, for that squad. All right. So Jack, this men's basketball team has been abysmal this week. Um, they were really, really, really bad against Auburn at, at Auburn. We kind of swept it onto the rug and said, okay, you know what? Maybe this is just them on the road. Uh, you know, Auburn hasn't lost two, they have, they've lost two home games, I believe, since 2018, um, leading up to that point. And yikes, Auburn was bad. Aye, aye, aye. Where do you even begin with this week? Um, all right, let's just let's, let's just address Auburn real quick. Um, it, it it happens, right? You're, it's hard to be a team when you're shooting 60% from the field, right? Auburn just wasn't missing. They hit about every single three-pointer you could hit. Um it's, uh, you know, even with a hand in the face, playing really good defense for South Carolina, it just wasn't enough. And then even when Auburn was in the paint driving to the rim, they were hitting these crazy, you know, driving layups and stuff. And it's just – it's just like what do you do with that, right? Right? It's it's super hard to beat a team when you're shooting that well. Um, but, again, it was a 40-point loss. I think, like you said, Joe, we kind of just overlooked it a little bit thinking, okay, I mean, they got LSU coming into town. They can, they can bounce back, right? And then – Obviously, it's just – it's kind of a snowball effect right now. I think, um, you know, the reaction from the fan base, you you would think with the way the, the, the week has gone, you would think this was a 11-21 and 21 squad like last year. Obviously, they're 21 and uh, – what, 21-5 now, uh, which is still incredibly good. Um, all their goals are technically still in front of them. Um, but, again – you really got you really got you really got to write the ship now, right? It's been it's been a great year. It's been a great year. You're 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 hitting a little bump in the road. How are how what are you gonna do next? Are you going to let it continue to snowball until you have uh you know a huge snowman, or are you going to you know let the snow melt and get back to uh, business? That wasn't my best analogy, but I think you get what I'm trying to get at is that you've still got time to turn this thing around and. We'll see what happens, right? You got, I think, five games left in conference play before the before the SEC tournament. And look, man, I mean, this is kind of this is kind of like 20, uh, 2016, 15, whatever the year was when they got left out, and then even twenty seventeen when they made their run to the uh, Final Four. They had a little bit of a, a rough patch at the end of the year. So, look, I mean, they, I don't think they were going to go this entire season 
without some sort of adversity. It's in their face now, and it's screaming loud and clear, like, okay, it's time to wake up and turn it around. And uh, you got a really tough two-game road trip coming out up in this upcoming week. Or I'm sorry, over the next two weeks where you really got to get this uh, get this going. Yeah, absolutely. No, you need to, you know, play out the rest of the season really, really well, right? I think, Jack, at this point, they need to have success in the SEC tournament um, and, 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 and went out to still be an automatic bid, right? I mean, I think the two losses is one thing, but if you don't win out, um, then you really need to do some work at the SEC tournament. If you had, totally. um, you know, won out the rest of your schedule, you, you were in regardless of your success at the SEC tournament. Now with two bad losses on your resume, um, you know, it makes things awfully hard to, to when you're, you know, on the bubble like this, right. They, they could potentially work themselves into a position where they're back on the bubble, um, but do I do I think it's going to happen? No, I think this team writes the ship. But again, it's it's one of those things. RLS, did the Auburn loss shake USC's confidence and affect them in the LSU game? I, yeah, I think that's one thing. They've been playing quite a lot of basketball. Uh, but in a, in a blowout like that, personally, RL, I think you know it's easier to flush the ones that are so bad. But again, I think you know it was it was LSU. You got a little complacent, right? You thought you were going to go in there. And win by you know a lot. It wasn't quite the Vanderbilt game, right? They gave you more of a push. It felt a lot like the Georgia game rather than Vandy. Um, and this team just you know it, it felt like they just weren't ready for it. You needed to play really really good <clears throat> basketball. They thought they were just kind of you know going to walk in and, and walk past LSU. I certainly didn't happen. No, I mean look, I think the Auburn game. The good thing is it was a blowout, so they just flushed it and moved on. They like, I mean, look, they. It, Yes, did it get a little chippy and choppy in, in that game? Yeah. Um, did, it, did it seem like South Carolina was kind of on edge at some points? Yes. Um, but from what we've seen all year, it just seemed like they flushed it and moved on. And um, it looked like early in that South in that LSU game that, that was kind of going to be the case. Like they were playing a pretty pretty good first half, in my opinion. Um, yeah. And then you're cruising going to the second half, and then it's like. You got a 16 point lead. There's no way you're going to blow it, right? And Lord behold, they do. And um, look, it's just, yeah, there's no, there's no excuse for that. Um, that's something that can't happen. And I think South Carolina has been a, a very good team with overcoming these sorts of things. But oh, man, I mean, that was just, I don't want to call it an embarrassing loss, but like, I mean, let's, let's call it for what it is. It kind of was, to be honest. That was a game you shouldn't have lost. Uh, I mean, when when you're looking at the whole bigger picture with March Madness and the AP poll and all that stuff, um, that's a loss. That's I think arguably, I think it's arguably worse than the Georgia loss. If I'm being quite uh, quite honest, it's just that's a game you should have won. You, you you're not up by 16 in the second half and blow that and blow that lead. That that should not happen. Yeah, no, I agree, Connor. I, I, I we we hear you. Should have won by a lot. Just blew it. Um, yeah, the the sixteen point second half lead. You you, you need to do better. Um, and again, like I said, they kind of just got complacent, right? We've seen that in the second half. It almost happened with Ole Miss a little bit. You weren't as disciplined, and that's the thing, right? Yes, you have to be disciplined one hundred percent of the game, right? You you need to bring it 
24-7 or else what will happen um, at, or what happened at LSU will happen again. Um, so got to be disciplined. Just got to play better. Um, we see the questions. Martin and RL, is Michi Johnson injured? Is Michi Johnson in a slump? I think he's in a slump. I haven't. We haven't heard anything, right, from the injury. Uh, so further notice on him? No, he's undergoing concussion evaluations after – taking what a hit to the head on uh, yeah. on Saturday. Um, but yeah, I mean, let's be real outside of uh, one good game. He's been really, he's been not, not so good the last uh, few weeks. And um, it's just, it's, it's kind of hard to see at this point. Cause it's like, he was getting off to such a good start this year. I thought, you know, he's in, he was pretty consistent last year, in my opinion. He had a lot of good games, and then it was like he, you know, had, had like five points the next game after a 20 point night. And it's kind of what we're seeing right now. Um, obviously, I think he's a good enough player to get out of it and get back on track, but the inconsistencies you're seeing out of him are just a little much. And um, I think something we're not talking about much with this is also Talon Cooper is kind of, uh, kind of, I don't want to say fallen off lately, but he hasn't been playing like himself lately. And I think with guard play being what it needs to be, it's not, it's not, it's not looking so great right now um, at that area. Um, and obviously the forwards, I think are playing a lot better. BJ Mack, Colin Murray, Boyle, Zach Davis, et cetera. Uh, Miles Studi. But I think with the guards, I mean, you really, you really do need Michi and Talon to step it up and be who they are. Uh, obviously they, there are more aspects to their games than just scoring points. They do a pretty good job otherwise, but you would obviously like them to shoot a little better to kind of spread the wealth and uh, play better from the outside. No, absolutely. And I think that's pretty good bow on it. Yeah, Connor, uh, they will not be ranked on Monday, and you don't deserve to be. Uh, are you sure? I, I, I Yeah, you're, I, I don't you're, think. You're, hold on. So. You're, you're telling me they're going to drop from 11 to out of the ring. Yeah. Yeah, losing really? by 40 out of Auburn. Uh, oh, losing by one to you LSU. You understand. All right, look. Losing by 40 is one thing. However, however, you're not going to beat a team that you're shooting 60. We're talking about Auburn, though. I mean, you can't beat no, a team. I know. We're, talking about, we're talking about Auburn, sure. But the LSU loss was at home. Okay, the, the LSU – all right, take out the LSU loss for a second. Let's, let's look at just Auburn for a second. Like, you're not beating a team that is shooting – they 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 didn't miss right, and that is why it got to a forty point loss. It's not because South Carolina played bad or anything. It's literally just because I mean Auburn was hitting every. I mean, how would they be ranked? I don't know. I just feel like going. I'm not saying they should be or shouldn't be. Yeah. I I just think going from eleventh in the country to out of the rankings would be that's that's a that's a you got to just think about it. that's a huge. I mean. That's a that's a huge. It's fall. gonna be it's close, right? But again, forty points at Auburn, and then you lose to LSU at home. I know, I know, I know. You a sixteen point lead on your home floor. Yeah, and I'm not defending them. I'm not defending them, but I'm just I'm impartial. However, I'm looking at this with just you know what I'm seeing and what the committee does. Yeah, I just I we're gonna agree to disagree there, big dog. I know, but that's but that's what it's all about, right? We yeah. we can we can we can talk about this, and it's like, yeah. And I, I think I think Martin's right. I think they're gonna be, if I had to guess, I'm gonna go with 23 or 24 right now. I think that's, yeah. uh, I think just out of the rankings, that 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 feels like a steep. That feel that feels like you you put them up so high, and then you automatically you just dropped them after they lost the game. Like 
I don't know. It's just, I think it's close, Jack. It's it's yeah. it's awfully close because eleven was pretty high up there, and it's yeah. just one bad week, right? But again, yeah. I think I think that Ellis. It's not as much the Auburn game, right? Because you've you've had that. You got to wait. I mean, same thing happened at Bama, and you were still ranked as high as you were. Like they, exactly. so that that's understandable. But I, I think that loss at LSU is gonna like they're knowing the rankings and stuff yeah. like that. How long it took South Carolina to get ranked. I, I just I, I'm with Connor here. I, I think you're you're out or like 25. Um, Lynn says I do not think we completely drop out. Yeah, it's a very real possibility, but yeah. I just I I, I I'm, I'm maybe I'm weighing the LSU loss a little bit too much, but I don't know. It's it's, it's but tough. at the same but at the same time, I hate to be blunt. I mean, who cares to be honest, right? Because like yeah, it's it's it, it, I think we all kind of have that misconception that it's it's literally just a number, right? It's yep. It doesn't it matter. Doesn't, yeah, it really when doesn't they, like make any difference where you're selected in the tournament. Like when we, when we had our pre when, when we had our show two weeks ago um, on that Monday where they were going to get ranked for the first time in since 2017, we talked about it then. Um, you know, just because they're getting ranked doesn't mean anything, right? As long as you're one of the 64 best teams in mid March, you're going to the NC. That means you're going to the NCAA tournament. And you have a shot at the national championship, so they could be the 64th best team in the country. Okay, that means that means that they that means they have a one in 64 chance to win the national championship, which is obviously the goal, right? Okay, I mean you're ranked. Okay, whatever. If even if you fall, whatever happens on tomorrow with the rankings, it is what it is. You move on. You gotta just forget about this week. You gotta. Forget about it to an extent, right? You got to learn from what you did wrong this week because there was a lot of bad things that happened this week with South Carolina's basketball. Um, but you got to move on and you got to get ready for this two game road trip, man. Going to Ole Miss and Texas AM, you could easily go 0 and 2, in my opinion, um, just because it's hard to go on the road and win in the SEC. Obviously, we saw it at Auburn. Obviously, we saw it at Alabama. We've seen it other times where South Carolina has beaten teams that they should beat on the road. Um, but it hasn't always been easy. So we'll, uh, we'll, we'll see what happens, but I think, uh, I don't think they deserve to fully drop out of the rankings, but at the same time, it shouldn't matter one way or the other. If they get out of the rankings. Okay. That's great. It just means they have that chip on their shoulder again, that everyone's counting them out again. And here we go. Maybe, maybe that's what they need. Maybe that's what they need, Joe. Maybe they should be out of the rankings. <laughs> if that's No, exactly. That's what Martin's saying. Absolutely. All right. Exactly. We'll hit your question. And then, uh, I've got some special news to wrap the show up on. Uh, we'll, we'll get to that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, does having that number beside your name affect any media coverage of your team or network scheduling? Uh, I mean, I think a little bit. I think it's just kind of a badge of honor of the national media recognizing you. Exactly. Do I think it affects South Carolina's coverage in particular? Not necessarily because they've already made their splashes and, you know, how they, they are going to get on the national stage is by winning and winning big games. Um, and the last one, I mean, obviously, if you can do something crazy um, against, you know, your next couple, but I think Tennessee's the big one to watch out for um, when South Carolina is going to start. You know, if they can beat Tennessee again, people are going to keep talking about the Gamecocks. It's going to yeah. be, it's going to be pretty good. It'll be, it'll be right back to what, uh, yeah. <laughs> what, it, what it was before. Very this quickly. Like, Very quickly. Like, yeah. It's, 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 it's easy to forget that this team two weeks ago was. Everything was good, right? They were winning games. They weren't losing. Um, look, it's one bad week. I wouldn't don't write don't write off South Carolina yet. That's that's a, that, that that would be a mistake. Look, this team is they they they're twenty one and five for a reason. 
They've had a bad week. Okay. Other teams around the country have had bad weeks. Kentucky had a bad week, I think, uh, you know, not too long ago after losing to South Carolina. And obviously they're getting back on track now. So, look, maybe maybe this is what they need, right? Going into March, uh, you know, people count them out again. And uh, we'll see what happens. I mean, look, there's still a lot of basketball left to play. But I think they've really got the work cut out for them now, right? you got to – you only got two home games left. You have three road games to go in the regular season. And then, obviously – Nashville, where I think you probably need to win a game or two and try to be a top four seed. Just keep playing, keep playing your basketball, but obviously do it a little better and see what happens. Yeah, no, absolutely. I agree. Um, pretty good rundown of basketball and baseball there. Um, so yeah, I have an announcement. Um, you know, I, I'm no longer an intern, um, still intern Joe by the way it's going, but um, yeah, I I've been promoted at Gamecock central, really excited for a, a new um, and expanded role um, with GC. Um, shout out to Brian Shoemaker, Mike Guva, Jack Veltry, Wes Mitchell, everyone uh, who's made it possible, all that, all the fun stuff. Um, I'm really, really, really bad at, at doing this kind of stuff. So I figured I'd just chuck it in at the end here. Um, but thank you to everyone who's, you know, helped out, uh, you know, likes watching all of it. Uh, it's, it's, you know, been really fun to learn and grow in front of all y'all's eyes. Um, so it has been a blessing, obviously, to do it for Gamecock Central. Um, and then, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun coming up. Uh, it's going to be a fun football season, basketball season. Spring football is right around the corner, baseball season as well. So um, you guys are, aren't, aren't, aren't seeing the enemy yet. So um, it's, it's, it's going to be fun. I appreciate every last one of you guys. So um, appreciate it. Jack, excited to continue to work with you yeah let's go let's that's go fun. thank you yeah yeah you can't keep me off the mic forever there dude there i'm happy for you bro that's i appreciate I it yeah i had no it's idea that's, that's awesome man yeah joe yeah you do a great job with us man and uh look i mean i know we have a lot of members of this team but everyone is valuable on this team there there's no way we do the job that we do without everyone playing their part and stuff and obviously yeah. joe he does a lot for us. He does video. He do, he's done photography. He's done writing. Yeah. This guy, I, I've, I've known him for a long time now. I love working with him. And Joe, you're doing an awesome job, man. I'm so proud of you. And that is, uh, you know, I, everyone should be congratulating this guy because he does an awesome job for us. Yeah, Jack, I, I appreciate it. And yeah, it'll, it'll be fun. A little expanded role, finish up the degree at USC. And then who yeah. knows what the future holds. <laughs> gotta, get, gotta finish that up. Um, but yeah, no, it'll be fun. And again, shout out to, to shoe Brian Shoemaker. Um, you're the man, uh, you know, I hope he's somewhere watching this warm in his, in his walkthrough with intern Joe hoodie. Um, so, you know, I, I appreciate you and, and everyone in Gabe Cox central. Um, I appreciate everyone. It's, it's been a dream to work for and work with everyone. So, uh, yeah. And that's a pretty good way to close this week's edition of the walkthrough. I am your host, as always, intern Joe Machika. That is Jack Veltry. Thank you guys for tuning in, uh, and we will see you this week.